listening to Law and Gospel on December the 5th in the year of our Lord, 2023. It's a Tuesday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with the help of Pastor Mark Smith, we're going to be listening and taking a look at the hymn for this coming Sunday on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. Such a mighty guest may come. For thou art our salvation, Lord, our refuge and our sure reward. Shine forth and let the light restore our souls to heavenly grace once more. And that is three verses of On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. This hymn from the 18th century is different than most hymns from the 18th century. They were either written in English or translated from the German. But this hymn is an exception. It was written in Latin by the rector of the University of Paris, Charles Coffin, who died in 1749. And it was for the 1736 edition of the Paris Breviary. Now, it was mistaken for a hymn of the early church. But in 1736, the hymn was appointed for lauds, the morning office on weekdays during Advent. Now, most hymns since the late 19th century, including LSB, omit the original second stanza, which says, Even now the air, the sea, the land, feel that their maker is at hand. The very elements rejoice and welcome him with cheerful voice. This is the hymn of the day for Advent 2 for the three-year series, and the hymn is also appropriate for Advent 3, when the gospel continues the account of John the Baptist. So, pretty good hymn, Pastor Mark Smith? Very good hymn. It's it's great. You know, it's a very memorable hymn for uh, Advent. Uh, it's one of my beloved hymns, you bet. It's quite a different rendition you played earlier, <laughs> a little bit different than we're used to from our own hymnal, but uh, close enough that you could recognize it. Well, it's the same tune exactly. It was just done by a guitar rather than an organ and a choir. So, on Jordan's bank, the Baptists cry. Why is that important for this 
second Sunday in Advent? Well, because it, uh, you know, Advent is a time to prepare, to prepare for uh, Christ's coming. Well, we usually think, of course, at Christmas time, but he also uh, came to Jerusalem to suffer and die on the cross. Uh, he comes to our hearts through his word and sacrament. And, of course, we don't want to forget that he's going to come again on the last day. We want to be, we want to be greatly prepared for that, too. What's the uh, gospel for this Sunday? You know that's a good question. I haven't ch- I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not preaching this. The beginning this Sunday, so of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, "Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way." The voice of one crying in the wilderness, "Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight." Who's this messenger preparing the way? John the Baptist, of course. Exactly. I think that's the same passage that's given at the bottom of the page in the hymnal. Did you say Matthew 3? No, Mark 1. Oh, Mark 1. Okay, that's the Mark uh, parallel passage in Mark. Yeah, and that's not even at the bottom of the page. No. And then, of course, the most important To back this up is the Old Testament reading from Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. A voice cries in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the streets a highway for your God. Now that's theologically really important. What does it mean to make straight the highway for God to be pre- to prepare to uh, to prepare for Him to uh, enter our hearts again and through the Word and Sacrament. And what is the ministry of John the Baptist? He's the forerunner of the Christ, and he says. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain shall be made low. Yeah, that's law and gospel. Law and gospel, right? Well, just the law. Okay. Every valley shall be lifted up. Those who are depressed over their sins shall be lifted up. And every mountain shall be made low is referring, of course, to those who are so prideful, like the Pharisees. So it's yeah. only the law here. It's only the law. Shall... You don't think he's talking about the gospel? Every every valley shall be lifted up? Right. It's not done by the gospel. It's done by the law. Well, That's why every the, sermon... If you're in the dumps, if you're, if you're feeling low, and there's a lot of hurting people out there, Tom, we, we have to remember that at church as preachers there's a lot of hurting people come out and and they come to they come to uh, uh to have their hurts assaged and uh and and mended and healed and the, the gospel is what really does that for them it lifts them up but that's not the work of John the Baptist well he's well, he's telling us he's telling us about the the law and gospel that will come through the gospel of Jesus Christ, but not in his 
message, what he's okay. preaching. What he's preaching is a baptism of repentance. Right. I agree with that. Right. And that's always law. The sermon always has to have law first and show the people that they're in trouble. Right. And when they recognize that, then they're open to hearing the gospel of Jesus, who comes after John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist mentioned him and says, behold, he's coming to do something different. He yeah. says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the uh, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Yes. Yeah, but don't you think John the Baptist, when he pointed to Jesus, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's that's gospel. But that's not in the text. It's okay. not in the Old Testament reading. It's not in the gospel. It's only a baptism of repentance there. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll that's hear what you I'm out. Saying. Okay. So why don't you go ahead with the first stanza? All right. On Jordan's bank. Oh, I almost sang it. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to sing that song. Yeah. On Jordan's bank, the Baptist cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. So there's no doubt. It's kind of like talking about an example would be that your children come home and they're hungry. And then you announce that you're going to McDonald's for uh, lunch. And they're really excited about that. But that only occurs because they recognize their hunger and you recognize their hunger. The, the hunger is the thing that opens people up to being fed. The baptism of repentance is God's way of opening people up to hear then the real message of Jesus Christ. John okay. the Baptist preaches about Christ, but he doesn't give them the Holy Spirit, for example. That's gospel. Okay, right. So this is a quotation from Isaiah 40. Let me read stanza two. Then cleansed be every life from sin, make straight the way for God within, and let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. See, that's the task of John the Baptist, to prepare sure, for Christ that's right. to enter. Agreed, absolutely. You bet. And that preparation comes about by a preaching of the law. That's what I've been talking about for 25 years on KFUO, that the law precedes the gospel. John the Baptist precedes the message of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus comes in Mark, that's very important. He talks about both 
repentance, and the gospel. And what's the gospel that Jesus brings? Forgiveness. Exactly. Life and salvation. Yes. Yes. And you don't see in John the Baptist any forgiveness given. It's just spoken about that it's coming. And the way to prepare for coming is repentance. When a person repents, it doesn't mean they're sorry for their sins. It means they're in grief over what they have done to Jesus. And therefore, they're prepared for the hearing of the gospel. Yeah, I think of the ever, uh, I think oh, of the ahead. tax collector or the publican in the uh, temple. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Exactly. That's the goal of the law. To get people to say exactly what you just said. Because he's asking that mercy will be given to him. He's unaware at that point that it's coming, but he recognizes it because he's a sinner. So the way I like doing it, I take a look at the vocations of the members in the congregation, uh, farmers, construction workers, or whatever job there is, and try and speak of the times like John the Baptist did of where they sin against God. And when they hear that, then they desire that God be merciful to them. In fact, isn't that said throughout the liturgy? Have mercy on us again and again? Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, I think of the, uh, oh, the Kyrie. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Right. So that is how we are prepared for receiving that mercy. Every other human being still wants to have that mercy, but they don't believe it comes from Jesus Christ, which is the yeah, gospel. They, they believe they have to somehow uh, earn it. Well said. Uh, by, sometimes by punishing their own bodies. Yes. Yes. What did Luther do in that regard? Oh, he, uh, he, you know, before he really discovered the gospel for himself, uh, he was that way too. I mean, he, he punished himself when he was in the, in, in the monastery. And what moved him to punish himself was a misreading of the law. Right. And so that's where John the Baptist corrects the reading of the law to show, as Paul says a number of times, the law isn't there to save you, but to make it aware of the fact that you are not saved by your own works. And therefore, you are prepared to hear how you can be saved by the food of the gospel. There's no doubt you are correct 
that John the Baptist tells about the coming of Jesus, who's going to take away the sins of the world. But there's no message in here of the cross that John the Baptist speaks of. He himself may be aware of it, but it's not his message. His message is that of law, repentance. So, stanza three, please. We hail thee as our Savior, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. Without thy grace, we waste away like flowers that wither and decay. Now, that is really an interesting statement that we kind of waste away like flowers that simply decay. That is the result of hearing not the gospel, but the law. Right. And that's what you want people to get to that apart from Jesus, they will waste away. And that is the message of John the Baptist. But his preaching is a preaching of the law to get people to that point, that they believe that they will waste away like flowers. And you really did a good quotation from that individual at the temple, be merciful to me, O Lord. And, and remember that, that's found also in chapter 9 with the man born blind. He receives sight, but he still doesn't know who Jesus is. Yes. And he goes to him and says, how can I get to know him? And Jesus says, I am he. Yes. And, and therefore, he then trusts Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and gets kicked out of the synagogue. That's interesting. All right, I'll read stanza four. Lay on the sick thy healing hand and make the fallen strong to stand. Show us the glory of thy face till beauty springs in every place. Now, who is that referring to, to lay on that's, the sick thy healing hand? That's, uh, that's referring, of course, to Christ, his healing yes. of uh, ministry, which took Excellent. place part, uh, when he came. He not only healed people of diseases, he also cast out demons right and left. Yes. And that's why, show us the glory of thy face till beauty springs in every place. And the beauty, of course, is being in the kingdom of God with the forgiveness of sins and the hundreds of blessings that you receive through Jesus Christ. So this is really important during Advent, and you already mentioned this, that Advent is a time when we are to be prepared for the coming of Jesus, but we do not get prepared on our own. The preparation occurs 
because of a proper hearing of the law where we get to the point, God, be merciful to me. And then Jesus proclaims the gospel. And John the Baptist does tell about that, that that's going to be happening. But it's not as clear as when Jesus comes and speaks of the gospel himself. That's what verse 4 is all about. So John prepares for the coming of Jesus. Verse 4 is Jesus coming. So if you'll read stanza 5. Okay. All praise, eternal Son, to thee, whose advent sets thy people free, whom with the Father we adore, and Holy Spirit evermore. That's, of course, a doxological verse. In the hymnal, it places a triangle before the fifth stanza. And, of course, we're invited as a congregation to stand for that stanza. That's right. Does your congregation automatically stand, or does the organ have to do something to get them I to think, stand? I think more and more congregations, no, I think uh, congregations more and more uh, understand that uh, Thanks to that triangle, I think I, one of the best things about our hymnal is that, that triangle before those doxological verses. And I think most people are alert to the point where, oh, we stand for this stanza. I think you're really correct there. I am working with two congregations that use the old hymnal. Uh-huh. And yeah. there is no triangle. Yeah, yeah. But on a verse like this, they seem to recognize it's Trinitarian, and they stand automatically. Yeah. Now, sometimes only three or four people stand, and the rest seeing them standing and realize right. that we give praise to the Eternal Son, whose advent sets thy people free. Yeah. And yeah, what is the advent of the Son? The advent of the Son is him him coming to earth, and uh, particularly for, for the primary purpose of going to the cross for all of us to atone sinful man. Yes. I always like to say there's, as you said, the advent of the Bethlehem stable, the advent of him coming on the last day. There's also the advent of him going into Jerusalem right. Palm Sunday, but also... It's he an advent when he comes into your heart. Right. Through his means of grace, the word and sacrament. That's right. And that's where we receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit was also given to the Old Testament believers. Remember Abraham? He was given a promise. How oh, did yes. he respond to the promise? He believed God, uh, he believed the promise, and God reckoned it unto him as righteousness. By, he was saved by faith, believing in the promise of a Savior. Yes, well said. And he did not have any children at that time. And so God had to tell him that Isaac was going to be born, and from Isaac would come a whole fellowship of believers 
that were more numerable than the sands on the seashore and the stars in the heaven. And even though he and Sarah were way past childbearing age, Abraham believed the promise of God. When he believed the promise of God, did he stop from sinning? No. No, he, <laughs> you know, we, as it says in the scripture, we, we daily sin much and, and, and deserve nothing but punishment, really. But uh, yeah, and we still say that where sin did abound, Tom, where sin did abound, God's grace did much more abound. And how do we get to tell people that sin does abound by a preaching of the law? law. Preaching the law, yes, exactly. And that's bad news, and that's why the verse says that people are really concerned that they're going to be decaying like flowers and withering away. And once they get to that point, then when they hear the gospel, they are recomforted and really helped. Yeah, our our task as preachers, preaching the law, we want to bring people to their knees. We really want, I mean, we want to bring them to their knees uh, if not physically, spiritually, we want them to realize, oh, God help me with, you know, I, I'd be lost. I would be, I'm a lost and condemned sinner on the basis of what God's word says. And then, so uh, without, and then they realize, of course, what the good news is God has also, you know, like, uh, like Nathan told uh, David, God hath also put away your sin. You shall not die. Well said. A great ending to On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. Thanks very much for helping us with this hymn, and we'll be using it for the Wednesday Advent service uh, coming up. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. That's right. Right. So thanks so very much. God bless you. Tomorrow we'll be taking a look at Proverbs again. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.